Get ready for the greatest roast of all time. The Roast of Tom Brady. A Netflix live event happening May 5th. Hosted by Kevin Hart, the seven-time world champion gets his cleats held to the fire by famous friends and frenemies on an unforgettable night where everything is fair game. Tune in on May 5th at 5 p.m. Pacific time for The Roast of Tom Brady, live only on Netflix. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. With Lucky Land Slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. This is your captain speaking. Uh, We've got clear runway and the weather's fine, but we're just going to circle up here a while and uh, get lucky. No, no, nothing like that. It's just these cash prizes add up quick. So I suggest you sit back, keep your tray table upright, and start getting lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Hello and welcome to another episode of Zero Ducks Given, which is nearly one year old, would you believe? And it is myself, Toby Tarrant, the inimitable Mr. Daniel Norcross, and an even grumpier than usual looking Stephen Finn, who has just come back to England after his time away in Australia. And he's had his first day of training uh, with his new side, Sussex. And he looks particularly angry today. What, what's on your mind, Finny? Uh, you bold shit. I know. Look, talk us through your bowling first. Do you know what? I could have bowled left arm with my eyes shut and it would have been good enough for you. So <laughs> we don't even need to go there. And no, it's just a long first day, nine till three. Bit of running, bit of bowling, bit of batting. I um, we faced six balls at a time in the net in the batting net, and um, and I was twelve for three off my first over that I faced. Three, I got bowled the first two balls, literally <laughs> stumps cartwheeling all over the place. Um, then I hit three fours, and then I got bowled off the last ball of the over. So twelve, twelve for three off my first um over of the winter nets proved entertaining. Like where we were at sixes, I think, actually, that isn't it very similar to when we were at sixes. I'll tell you, any bowlers listening this year, when you do get down to Finney, which you know won't take long, full and straight doesn't like it full and straight off Finney. I'll tell you that much. Sorry, Finney, you were, yeah. and then then you were bowling in the net. Sorry, my mind. Sorry, no, that's all right. No, no, the bowling was fine. That, that's all good. Um, no complaints there. And I can't even remember what I was going to say, what I was going to say next because you fucking interrupted me. Shock. <laughs> <laughs> doesn't just, really surprise me no I'll tell you what's pissed me off today actually is the fact that this is the 53rd episode of this stupid podcast and I've not been paid a penny for it I've had to give up at least an hour a week more than an hour a week on average because we've done more episodes than weeks in a year and I've not had a break from you blokes I've had to speak to you every single week or more for a year and and to be quite frank I don't like it. <laughs> I mean, he has got a good point because it's 45 minutes of the podcast that goes out, but he has to listen to one of Dan's stories before we start recording. 
Then he has to listen to one of Dan's stories when we finish recording. So in total, we normally take up an hour of his, an hour and a half of his life every week that he could spend, you know, with his beautiful partner and his beautiful friends and family. But instead, uh, he has to see you and I, Daniel, every week. I can understand why yeah. he's upset. Well, well, I can. I mean, you know, it, it's tough. It's tough for Radio Boy. Uh, but when you when you move into the echelons of um, of, of TV, you're able to do extraordinary things that transform your life, which I've I've found myself thanks to you know Ashes rights holders, BT. Thanks very much. I managed to get myself a lead that connects my broadcast quality microphone now to my computer. Nine pound sixty nine. Thank you, BT. That's paid for that. Um, and as a result, you can hear my voice coming through more beautifully than ever before. Uh, and the other thing I've done this week, and this is absolute game changer, mate. I've got myself a Shark Hoover. Well, oh, vacuum cleaner, because of yeah. course Hoover, Hoover nice. is a, a brand name. I've got one of those. It's unbelievable, Finney. Why did How you not tell me about it? It's got headlights, and most importantly, it's got a crevice nozzle. And if you have not used your crevice nozzle for a while, I urge you to. Mm. So for around about nine years, I've had a very asthmatic cordless vacuum cleaner that couldn't get close up and into the skirting boards. So I got the shark. And as a result, I have been able to fill three whole bags. Well, back, you know, like plastic buckets worth of a shark Hoover container with my skin that i have shed over the last 10 years that has got accumulated up close to the uh skirting boards and it was one of the most satisfying things i've ever done my carpet it turns out is cream colored i had no idea what do you I had mean? no idea i thought it was like a french gray but it turns out it's not so here's to the shark the skin that you've shed what are you an african rock python what you just every night well, like once every six months there's your, your no. long-suffering other half find an exact Dan Norcross-shaped bit of skin lying around the floor, and that's your next year's no. skin implant. What's wrong Toby, with you? Toby, baby, I need, I need to explain to you how dust works. It's basically all of you that shed over your house. And, and in, in a pandemic, you don't get to leave the house much, so there's shitloads of me just all over the house. Well, it, what there was, there was, until the shark came into my life. And i just like to say, the shark hoover is the best hoover I've ever come across. I'd recommend a shark to anybody. And if Shark is remotely interested in any way in supporting this podcast, Zero Ducks Given, then I can think of a number of reasons why they might. It has, for example... Well, it has, for example... I can think of a number of reasons why they absolutely wouldn't as well. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, but Finny, 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 baby, get with the programme. Your name's Finn, right? And you play for Sussex. Yeah. So if anybody... If anybody's going to sponsor us here now, you might finally get paid, okay? The Shark Hoover, sponsored by Stephen Finn, who plays for the Sussex Sharks. That is perfect. Shark Hoover is the best goddamn fucking Hoover I've ever come across. This has got so much suction. More suction you can believe. And it comes standard with three different attachments. But the crevice nozzle is the best. You got the cheap one. You didn't get the one with the two batteries. Who needs batteries? I'll tell you what I did get rid of. I got rid of the cobweb of Damocles that had been hanging on my bedroom wall for the last, oh, I'd say two years, waiting to drop into my mouth mid-nightmare. But no, the crevice nozzle on the Shark Hoover, it swept that away easy as you fucking like. 
Shark Hoovers. They're the Hoovers for you. Sponsored by Zero Ducks Given. Not yet. Not yet. Not yet. But maybe one day. We are a blank canvas. I'm going to genuinely find them on Twitter this week. I mean, the, pro- the problem is you guys have both admitted that you've got Shark Hoovers already. So that if they're going to send one to a member of the team, it should be me. I'm I'm with a, I'm with a Dyson, like old muggins over here, listening to you two wax lyrical about your... Who's going to use the Hoover in your house? It's going to be Pepper, isn't it? I saw you pissed off your tits at 4.30 this morning. <laughs> it wasn't, no, it wasn't this morning. It was a few mornings ago. <laughs> was it? Yeah, but yeah, Pippa does tend to walk around hoovering up my mess, actually. That's a very good point. Yeah, Pippa can have the Shark Hoover, I suppose. Now, unfortunately... You know, the listeners, they can fast forward through all of that uh, vacuum cleaner chat if they want to. But our very special guest with us this week had to sit there and endure every last second. And it is my honour to introduce the wonderful Isabel Westbury. Isabel Westbury, can I uh, straight away apologise that we've woken you up at 9am in Australia to sit there and listen to Dan Norcross talk for for frankly 10 minutes about his vacuum cleanup. Then again, you know Daniel well, and you probably expected nothing less. Hello, Izzy. How are you? <laughs> Why did I sign up for this? Such a ringing, such a ringing endorsement from all involved. <laughs> I mean, the only thing I think would make it better was if, I mean, and then this is like an actual commercial strategy, is if Finney learnt the shark song, because that yes. to me seems like the natural progression yes. in this partnership. Learned it. Learned it. He wrote it. He wrote it. There you go. Yeah. Well, I mean, that's what I'm expecting next episode. Finney, can you give us a quick rendition of Baby Shark, please, mate? Baby Shark, do 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 do. Baby Shark, do 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 do. Baby Shark, do 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 do. Baby Shark. Baby Shark, do 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 do. There we go. Beautiful. Got it. In tune as well. Yeah, I know. That is actually that was in a tune. Yeah. Yeah, that was beautiful. Um, well, thank you very much for that. If 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 the sponsorship wasn't already sealed, then Isabel, you've 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 finally you've confirmed that deal for us, and we'll give you a finder's fee as well of ten percent of all the money that Shark Hoover's pay us in the future. Uh, genuinely, how are you? How's Australia? How's Canberra? Two washouts in uh, in the women's ashes so far. I have to say though, I don't, I don't think a bad couple of results for the the way that it's been going for English cricket teams in Australia the last few months. I think the match abandons a bloody good result. I'll put it this way, I think we've got now about eight matches for an England team, any England team, to win in Australia this Australian summer. Because I think we've had the England Lions have come out and they've lost all their matches, or uh, two matches, I think. Obviously, the men's test team didn't have a great run of it. Nope. The women's A side have played, played two, lost two. The last one, I got, they got thumped by 10 wickets. And then we've had just one match completed by England's women. And they got rather heartbreakingly defeated when they posted 169 runs in a T20. It was awful. And then I guess the abandonments, like you say, Toby, are the best result yet. So, so yeah, yeah, maybe maybe room for optimism there. <laughs> just 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 on, on the game that England lost. I mean, what oh. was so ex- extraordinary about that was that they did everything they could possibly do. They exceeded oh. expectations, didn't they? And then. I, look, it's a bit cruel to call her a monster, but Talia McGrath, she's called McGrath. I know that's Stephen Finn's favourite human being, a McGrath, but I'm sick to death of bloody McGraths. She is something else, isn't she? She absolutely 
and shellacked England. It was it was wonderful to watch in a in a masochistic kind of way. The, the only thing I was upset about was that we couldn't get a, to predict that Australia would win 16-0 at the beginning, <laughs> which is what would happen in the multi-format and is Glenn McGrath um, equivalent. But no, she, she, she came out, she smashed it. She, she, she picked up three wickets for nothing and then smashed an unbeaten 90-odd. And only because Meg Lanning, who's basically a Don Bradman of women's cricket, scored a 50 and denied her a century in a T20 I absolutely took it to England when they posted this record-breaking score against Australia in the T20. She's 25 years old. And, and then she came out and said, oh, I, I didn't know if I was going to be picked for this game, actually. I'm like, <laughs> sorry? Sorry, what? It's, I always feel it's very easy to be humble when you've just already had a really <laughs> yeah. good game. Yeah, but then it's easy to be humble. But, but 91 but, out of 49, by the way. But, oh, but, but, also, but also, she's basically, I mean, was she sort of referring, do you think, there, to her being picked ahead of Elise Perry, who is... What she is a different, she's like the Gary Sobers. If you've got Don Bradman in Meg Lanning, yeah, you know, yeah, Sobers in Elise Perry, and so well, I mean, it, McGrath, which it felt like a like an upgrade on Gary Sobers, if such a thing is possible. Frankly, you came away from that being like Perry, Perry, who which is all blasphemy in, in the world of women's cricket because the last decade she's been the you know the standout superstar for, for the game. I think she, at one point she was the most marketable athlete in women's in sport in like the mid. 2010s or something and for her to have been usurped by by Talia McGrath who also is yet to be she's yet to have an average in T20s because she's batted three times I think and she's got 40 odd not out 50 odd not out now 91 not out off zero balls um so if she got out she got out literally for golden duck in the next game she would have an average I think of 187 or something absurd <laughs> if I was her I'd, yeah. I'd leave the ball on middle stump and then retire just retire of an average of 187. That'd be the way to go. Well, we'll look forward to the upcoming test match. I'm very excited about uh, in a few moments' time. But let's quickly jump over to the England men who have played two bizarre games against the West Indies uh, in this series, which has all taken place in Barbados. Uh, the first game, you thought, well, the Ashes is over. At least we don't have to watch England batting crap for a bit. We'll go back to good old white ball cricket where we're probably the best in the world and we always score lots of runs. And I don't know if the England boys have been watching the test a bit too closely, but 49 for 7, 85 for 8, scraped up to 103 all out in the first game and were, were spanked by nine wickets. And then the second game was one of the bizarrest games of cricket I've ever seen in my life. If you didn't see it, England won by one run, which sounds very, very exciting. And it kind of was because there was lots of sixes being hit by the end of the West Indies. But it was kind of the not closest one run victory I've ever seen because West Indies never really mathematically had a chance of chasing it in the final over. Poor Shaquib Mahmood, who, as we mentioned earlier, is just a way better looking, just better all round version of Stephen Finn. Uh, he got the treatment. He bowled four overs, not for 45. Finney, I was watching his, his last over and uh, the, the West Indian batsman at the end, unbelievable. Akil Hussain. I mean, what he's doing batting down there, he was 44 not out of 16. But you could see what Mahmood was trying to do. He was trying to bowl that ball really wide outside of off stump, just inside the line. And then when he bowled a couple of wides earlier in the over, it spooked him and he just ran in and bowled length. And, uh, and length, obviously, nowadays with these bats and these boundaries goes. But I've seen that ball Everybody struggles to bowl that that delivery just inside the wine line, just hugging it. How difficult is that ball to bowl? Because I feel like whenever I watch it in world cricket, people really struggle to land that one. 
well, yeah, I'm probably not the the person to ask to do that because I tried to bowl it to John Simpson. I bowled him a waist high full toss <laughs> earlier or in the middle of last year, um, and then the next ball got whacked out the park for six. But it definitely spooks you when you're trying to bowl it out there. It's just so far away from where you would usually try and pitch a ball in terms of line and length. So the the differentiation and what you have to adjust to is so far. There are only a few bowlers who are actually very, very good at it in the world. That's why it's such a valuable skill. But yeah, certainly if you miss a couple of times out there, it means that you have to readjust and quite frequently you you overcorrect. I mean, I'm sure that you've um you've experienced that in the paltry standard of cricket that you um that you play, you know, the overcorrection where you probably sling one off the cut strip on the offside and then ping it down the leg side off the cut strip as well. Um, it's very sweet of you to say that's my overcorrection and not just my stock delivery. Thank you very much. Well, yeah, I mean, you're you chasing your tail a bit. You, that side of it, that side of it. I've seen how weak and flimsy you are as well as a human being. So there's no way that that carcass has been able to maintain any degree of consistency through the crease. It's like watching a stick insect run up and bowl. Yeah, so I, I'm sure you've found that every now and again, but you always do overcorrect a little bit um, when you're trying to bowl wide Yorkers. Philly, is, is, is January back in England getting to you? Have you got so used <laughs> no, to... No, I'm at the end like, of my tether. I've given, talked about like, cricket non-stop for the last two and a half months. So I was hoping for a week off. Well, tell and us... Tell, you're, tell making us what, dissect, right. you're making me dissect wide Yorkers in fucking no, episode well, 53 of Zero Ducks Given. So I'm not, I'm not doing episode that. Episode 53. I, I actually cannot believe it. 53 episodes, man. Good Lord. I thought you'd spent a bit of time away from your partner. Months, in fact. I thought... Seeing her again, you'd be in the best mood. I thought you'd be absolutely ecstatic. And now you're just showing us basically your genitals on your webcam. Well. <laughs> it's extraordinary, isn't it? I mean, essentially, what's happened is, bless you, and I totally get this. I get this. When I, when I went to Australia the first time, four years ago, you come back, cock of the walk, you know, you think everybody loves you. And then you return back to England and it's actually reality. It's, you know, it's January. It's the horrors of the day job. And it's got to him. And I and I get that, Finney. I get that. We love you. But are you are you gonna do you think you're gonna cheer up at any point between now and April? Maybe April. What well, depends. Depends how they're coming out in pre-season, to be quite frank. And you know what it is, guys, don't you? Is that it's a bit like um that scene from Love Actually, is that in Australia, when you've got accents like Finney's and Norcross and, and mine out in Australia. So you only have to open your mouth and they fucking love it. Yeah. Whereas you come back to the UK <laughs> yeah. and that's it. It's just run of the mill and it's done. Whereas here, oh man, I think I add another plum to my voice and then finger, you've got work falling out of your ears. <laughs> Actually, well, you, you, Izzy, exactly that because, because you were on Triple M, weren't you? Tell us, I mean, because you, you were with some oh, of the man. most... But- you were, were you were with the Bogans Bogans on trip. Well, if you think so. your podcast is loose, you've got nothing, nothing on these guys. Honestly, I think the biggest danger was that you fall into the same kind of um, effing and blinding and thinking you're on the other side of the world and nobody cares, and then realizing that you're on a recordable and videoed um, actual radio show trying to commentate on test cricket men's test cricket um it's it's a, it's a rock station it's literally it's like having i don't know capital fm deciding one day that they want to go and commentate on cricket and and expletives are allowed and as much um parochialism as you can possibly possibly have and and, and basically berating 
Lordy and Botham at every every opportunity. It's it's quite incredible. You had um, you had a good experience with Greg Blewett, didn't you, in the first Test match, trying to explain Joe Root bumper year. Well, I mean, so I didn't I didn't I didn't learn Latin at school, but there are some phrases, right, that that you kind of you just you just know, like like carpe diem, seize the day. Yeah, everyone, every, everyone knows that. Izzy, Izzy, everyone knows Everybody. that. Everybody. And Every, even there's some everybody. phrases. Everybody. Right. And there's a few others where you don't even have to bloody know Latin to kind of work out what the hell it means. Like, for example, Joe Root had an absolutely ridiculous year last year with the bat. So we had an Annus Mirabilis. Uh-oh. Oh, my God. I, you don't even want to know what some of the Aussies thought I was talking about. It was <laughs> that bad. I should imagine Mer- Merv Hughes was all over that, I should imagine. Yeah, he's there going, I think I've had a few of those before myself, actually. Right? <laughs> <laughs> Greg Lewis' face was something. Have you guys seen the video clip of it? No, I don't know this. It's Come outstanding. On. Oh, man. Isabel, you've got, you got to explain this whole what? thing to us. Come on. Well, I, mean, I literally just said, he's had an <laughs> Annas Mirabilis. And then you've got these these two, also got Greg Blewett and Callum Ferguson, lovely, lovely blokes, just going there going, what the fuck are you talking about? <laughs> At which point, Cal, Callum Ferguson, again, like, loveliest of guys, with his lovely Australian accent goes, wait, mate, it's an, an Inus, an Inus Mirabilis. <laughs> you're just sitting there going, no, no, please, please stop, stop. I mean, you, you say, um, I mean, Callum yeah. Cal- Cal- Ferguson is a lovely, lovely man, but he looks so much like the most depressed panda you've ever seen in your entire life. <laughs> well, maybe that's what happens when you get you play one test match and they drop you for no apparent reason. Yeah, he I- looks, he looks like a South American sloth who's climbed the tallest giant redwood only to discover that his girlfriend is now going out with a different sloth <laughs> and has now had to walk back down again incredibly slowly. <laughs> and, 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 it's, and it's beautiful that you were there right in the middle of it. But, I mean, this is, this is a role that has been played by a few English people over time. But I'm thinking like Henry Blofeld, for example. I mean, you were essentially the female Henry Blofeld of Triple M, weren't you? Like I said, you put another plum in your voice because this this is what you're there. You're the foil, essentially. It's the the whole job is can you withstand just constant barracking, just constant. And you probably know, you know. I mean, looking at England's track record in Australia, you know before you go out there, it's probably not going to end well. So it's essentially a sort of how much can I take? I mean, not only Henry Blofeld, Ishiguro before me. We had, I think I had about a two-hour pep talk before I even signed the contract, where she kind of said, right, this is the kind of shit you're going to have to withstand. <laughs> it doesn't matter about the commentary. It doesn't matter whether you've, you've got your, your notes or your, you know what you're doing from a technical standpoint. It's, it's can, you, can you put up with this over five tests? I tell you what, by, by where were we? Hobart at the end, you're kind of, you are wondering. <laughs> well, <laughs> wondering. Losing, losing 10 wickets in 117 minutes. But, you, you, you know, as you say, Ishiguha, especially, you stand on the shoulder of incredibly short giants doing that kind of job. And, and, and that is something that I suppose gets you almost to, to the height of Merv Hughes. Because Merv, Merv struck me as, as the one that was really, he, he was the one that, that really got the, got the pulse racing back here. Getting a bit of Merv on Triple M and then having him on a bit of BT He's he's just wonderful to work with, surely, isn't he? Well, you should see Merv and 
um, Sir Ian Botham, Lord Ian Botham, with a, a bottle of Cabernet afterwards is is quite the quite the sight, let alone sound. But yeah, he's he's the guy. That is that would be a great celebrity goggle box pairing, wouldn't it? Oh, Just beefy shit. and Murph Hughes <laughs> and a bottle of Cabernet. You couldn't air it. I wouldn't have thought. <laughs> <laughs> no, almost certainly not. Don't have them watching Naked Attraction after a bottle of Cabernet Sauvignon. You're fucking all sorts <laughs> be coming out of their mouth. What's interesting there, though, is as well, because you've obviously got very different experience to Australia to, to Finney, because you said, oh, the nice thing over there is that as soon as you speak with this accent, you know, they love you. You know, they're really not. But uh, Finney, didn't you just get called a wanker in a coffee shop by some Aussie bloke? Well, yeah, years ago. That's when, <laughs> when you weren't there talking the whole time. And I was obviously a, a shadow of my, um, fuck me, this screen, honestly. Can I explain what's happening? Jesus so Finney, Finney's had a bowling session earlier and he's icing his knee. So he's just in his pants, but his webcam keeps falling down. So I keep seeing <laughs> more, more of Finney, more of Finney than I care to see. It's convenient though. You know, this has never happened before. Your webcam's never had any trouble. And then lovely Isabel joins us for a podcast and suddenly you've got your trousers off and your webcam keeps falling <laughs> over. Well, Izzy, Izzy was one of the few people that were very kind to me in lockdown. Like, I, I didn't see you yeah. two sending me any gift um, or We're, we're, any... we're in fucking England, Finney, for Christ's sake. What did you want us to of, do? Have you heard of Amazon? What, what is, have you got a mobile phone? You technophobic old fuck. <laughs> what? No, what? you haven't. But, what, but what, what don't you have that you actually thought that I could provide you with? From my well, flat in Tooting at midnight, again. for Christ's sake. I remember set that you didn't even get him a rubber duck or something for his bath. Exactly. You get, <laughs> your, your webcam's falling over constantly. You get the gift of mine and Dan's company once a week. That should be plenty. That's money can't buy. A lot of people well, say I'd good rather money. someone got a staple gun and tried to staple gun my penis to a piece <laughs> of wood than have to spend an hour with you every single week. <laughs> I can be arranged. <laughs> Like we could get a sponsor for that as well. I'm telling you, we could get sponsored by Staples Warehouse. It could be beautiful. Uh, Bunnings, well, anyway, Bunnings, Bunnings no, Warehouse. Look, stop rabbiting on that, Izzy. I, I was very indebted to Izzy because she was the first person to send me a Christmas card and a care package when I got locked in isolation in Adelaide for 11 days. So, so she is more of a friend to me than you two are, and, and I think that speaks a lot considering we've shared over 53 hours of recording time together on this podcast and you couldn't even do that for me. So, um, yeah, Izzy is a far, far greater friend to me than you are. But to be fair, I mean, if, 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 what, if your statement is, is a well Westbury is a better human being than me and Daniel Norcross, then absolutely correct. Yeah, so you're not going to yeah. get any, gonna get any pushback I mean, from me or Daniel. No, there's no great revelation there, Tobes, is there? Sal, do you want to stick that on the, on the front of the podcast? It comes yeah. out, turns out, uh, huge <laughs> bombshell. <laughs> Isabel Westbury, better human being than this <laughs> couple of milk toast hayseeds. <laughs> <laughs> right, let's let's you turn back to the cricket um, and let's look forward to this test match. Uh, I'm really excited about this. Now, um, Izzy, I mean, so I saw Heaven Knight in an interview this week saying that England need to be a bit more aggressive. I think one of the crimes of women's cricket for all the great advances in recent years is there hasn't been enough Red Bull cricket played. And uh, Heaven Knight said that England last time maybe went a bit too into their shell, didn't really know what to do with all four days in a way because they've not played the format enough. She said the way to beat Australia is to be aggressive, to be positive. Do you agree with that? Yeah, I mean, in many respects, a bit of fucks, to be honest, because despite the washouts, meaning they didn't lose any matches, it means that they're basically they've got to win the test 
for England to have a chance of retaining the Ashes because of the way in which it's a multi-format series, because of um, the fact that Australia have the Ashes that so only need to draw the series and because Australia also um, only just finished a 26-run streak of ODI wins. That it means England will either have to draw the test and win all three ODIs, very unlikely, mm. or win this test. Now, the problem is, like you say, England have only played seven tests since the start of the century. So since 2000, I think I think that's right. No, wait, the last decade, I think it's seven tests. Anyway, less than one a year. And they haven't won a test since 2014. And yeah, it's all four days. They've never, they've never played a five-day test. At least this team hasn't. There's rain about. Australia don't really care about having to get a result because a draw suits them pretty nicely. It's at Canberra, which is a pretty flat deck. So yeah, they're going to have to go ridiculously attacking and take yeah a lot of risks that we just we don't see that happen in women's cricket because it, because tests are so few and far between. You you just you don't want to lose. Even if you, you say it all at the start, I'm going to do this, we're going to play attacking. Quite often you revert to very kind of conservative methods. And it will be really interesting to see whether they actually do stick by what they've said beforehand, which again, when you're playing it every other year, is uh, it's pretty difficult, isn't it? Yeah. I mean, how do, how do you attack, though, in a four-day test match? Against- well, it's 20 wickets, isn't it? You've got, you've, got, you've got to go bowling heavy, which is a bit of a shame because it was the bowling that was shipped for England in the first T20. Mm. Look at the deck, spinners, or yeah, I mean, it sounds that like Anya Shopsell is going to be out. So you've got your your most experienced seamer sort of gone. You've got Catherine Brunt, who's a brilliant fighter, but she tends to then revert bowling it short at heads, which when Australia already have two of the fastest quicks in the world that they're used to facing, it, it yeah, you, you need to, to bowl smart, pack your side with bowlers. And it means that you're going to leave your batting vulnerable, but it's but- the only, only way that you might get a result. But, but Izzy, we were both at Bristol for the women's test against India. And it was, yeah. there were some extraordinary moments there when, when wickets tumbled. Uh, there was a huge clatter of wickets on the second evening, wasn't there, when we, we got our first night watcher in, uh, in, in women's test cricket or in, in, in any kind of form of That's test. That's my lost calling, by the way. If I'd ever been allowed to play four days, night watcher. I think I would have, yeah. night watcher would have been my, my Me thing. Too. Like like Lots nine 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 balls <laughs> and just like take them all on the chest. Bring yeah. it on. Uh, uh, but it's overrated. But, but, but you know, I, I think I think there England did play that game in a really aggressive way. As I recall, uh, Lauren Winfield Hill hit a six in the first hour, which is sort of unprecedented in women's cricket. I think there's a there's something there for them to go at. The key though in women's cricket, it seems to me, is that the pitch has to be. Has to have pace. If it doesn't have pace, then everybody's screwed. Because frankly, all those women are not going to get spooked by people bowling 75 miles an hour at them. They've all got the techniques to deal with that. There's got to yeah. be pace in the wicket. Like there was in Perth in the game you were talking about, the last time England won a test match at Perth when Kate Cross came good. Yeah, and she'll, she'll be key as well this time around. So it needs to have pace in the wicket. It needs to not be just a massively flat deck like we saw Elise Perry score a double unbeaten ton uh, a few years back at North Sydney. And this is the same with every format of women's cricket, is that you need to have good pitches if you A, want the spectacle and B, want the, the results. And in the past, that hasn't been the case. And even for the test match, I think that England played against India 
last summer it was on a used pitch as well which in the end made made it work out all right in terms of the spectacle and the almost getting a result but yeah it, it needs to be purposely prepared um and and we'll have to wait and see to be honest so a lot a lot needs to go England's way but I I feel like they've got the right approach I bloody hope so Mm. It's it's going to be a great game, and we just got to pray now that the weather does stay away, and that we can we can get a result. Uh, Finney, I want to come back to being a night watchman, mate. Your runs in New Zealand that I know you don't like to talk about them, but that was a night watchman gig, wasn't it? Yeah, it was. Yeah, and the 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 situation of the game dictated how I had to play in those circumstances. But then the next game, I did night watchman and got a pair. Um, so you know, you, you go from the penthouse to the shit house, I suppose you could describe it as in that scenario. But yeah, it's just never pleasant because the bowlers want to hurt you and then they want to get you out. As you saw Scott Boland in the test match when he did it, just kept getting battered on the gloves, which isn't fun or pleasant. I mean, again, in the standard of cricket that you play, people bowl absolute donkey drops. So you could go out with no padding, no gloves, no box, and it would do no damage. Um, but when you're playing proper cricket, test match cricket, it, it hurts when you get hit and it's not pleasant. That's what we pay you for, Philly. That's basically like, you know, when you're on this podcast... Dan, we, Dan I wouldn't use go, that line. We you, don't pay you. Get to, you. You get to say whatever the fuck you like because you don't get paid. When you go and play test cricket, as opposed to what poor old Toby does, then you get hit in the gloves. Oh, you poor thing. So slightly sore fingers. And then they give you a couple... Well, I don't know. What is it? 15, 20 grand for that. Whereas Toby, <laughs> I pay Toby a just has a Toby has a catch dropped off his bowling by some complete drongo at mid off, and then has to walk back to his you know let's face it, XFM is it or YFM? I don't know what it is. His actual day job. Yeah, and, yeah, and, and, and no one's listening to him there either. Yeah, so and, you know, be, be a bit kind. Be speak, a bit it's kind. like um, it's like Nathan Lyon in the last Test match. He basically had the the perfect club cricketer's outing in that he took a, a, a ripper of a catch with a bit of bit of mayo on it as well. Then he smashed a couple of sixes over into the road, didn't have to bowl, and then got on it afterwards. I mean, nice. oh, plus, and then then the difference, obviously, is he, he got paid about 30 grand to do that. So. Yeah, and he I mean, just won the ashes. How, yeah. far, how, far, how close to, Ollie Robinson, uh, to Hobart International Airport was Ollie Robinson when he got bowled for England to be bowled out in the last <laughs> test match? He was... He was his 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 foot was pointing absolutely in the direction of Hobart International Airport, and his body moving, his right shoulder was moving in that direction as well. It was it was a truly extraordinarily brilliant piece of batting. I thought. I know he, he doesn't it, move that quickly doing the bleep test. If John Lewis is to be believed, I wish he moved that quickly when he was doing the fitness for England. If John Lewis. Is... Oh, leave my teammate alone. All right. Sorry, <laughs> sorry, <laughs> sorry, mate. Sorry, mate. Now. Final fixture that I want to get to that's happened this week we need to talk about is South Africa completing a 3-0 one-day international series win against India. Quinton, the cop player of the series, I mean, we all know how good he is in white ball cricket. I'll be honest, because I love Test cricket so much and the sanctity of Test cricket, watching him announce his retirement from Test and then be absolutely bloody brilliant in the one-day internationals hurt a little bit. Um, But because he's turned his back on Test cricket, I'm not going to give him any praise at all. Uh, Instead, I'm going to talk about Razi van der Dusen, who has basically been absolutely unbelievable ever since he came into the South African international team. He's come to the team quite late. He's 32 years old. He's only just played 32 one-day internationals. 
He's got a batting average of 74.52. And it's the highest average ever for somebody that's played more than 31 day internationals. He should basically retire. Finney, I guess you will have never have come across Razzy van der Dussen in your life. You never would have bowled at him, but he's 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 absolutely superb to watch. And he's a proper, proper cricketer. He's not one of these guys that, you know, he's not Josh Butler. He plays in the correct way. There's there's hope for people with a proper technique, yeah. <laughs> yeah, I to be honest, I probably have played against him at some stage. So I, it'd be rude of me to say that I haven't, and then I end up having done. So <laughs> I, 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 I'm not going to say that. But I, I tell you one thing that that this series has has shown is that England, if they think they're going to get some some free, easy home Test match wins this summer to make them feel better after the Ashes, mm. it's not going to happen. This South Africa team looks. So good. Rabada is an absolute genius. He's up there on par with Cummins for me as the as the best fast bowler in the world at the moment. And Gidi, this new big goober left armer, he looks like a, a very very good bowler as well. Hanson. And they've got these they've got these experienced middle like um, middle order batters that that are churning out runs. So I, I think England could be in a in a bit of bother this summer as well. And if they keep unearthing guys like Van der Dusen to to come into their team, whether it's ODI cricket or Test match cricket, they're um, I think it's a great thing to see. I, I've always found South Africa the toughest team, not the toughest team, but the best cricketing team that I ever played against was South Africa in 2012, and, and it would be great to see them at somewhere near. They're not on par with that yet, but but maybe somewhere near at some stage. Yeah, you realise that one of the the greatest offshoots of Brexit and perhaps or unexpected I'd say or perhaps that's the reason many people voted for Brexit is going to be a strong <laughs> South African team because yeah. we're going to lose all we're losing all the coal packs which I think is in many many ways just beautiful um there's <laughs> just just one thing though it's it's only what is it now three years ago since an England team went to South Africa beat them in South Africa and that South African team was la- was largely, I think it was eight of the 11 players that beat India were in that team that played against England. And it had the likes of Ollie Pope in it and Zach Crawley and Rory Burns and Anderson and Broad, whatever. I think Anderson was injured, but Wood and so forth and Stokes. So the England team that played in Australia is composed of most of the same people who are going to be playing against the South African team that's going to be playing in England. So before we get like really upset about the personnel, let's remember that there are circumstances. I think for England, having played as many games they've played, have been in as many bubbles as they've been in, having had as appalling <laughs> management, coaching and uh, administration as they've had, who knows? By July, they might actually be able to, you know, stand up and do it. Yeah, I mean, you're always back England in, in home with, with English conditions against anyone, no matter how crap we've been playing. I, I, what I would say is you look at, you always look at overseas bowling teams and when they come here, whether they've got the bowlers that can exploit the conditions, because ultimately that's, that's what it's about. Obviously, your batters have to conquer them as well. But as Izzy said in the women's test match, you have to take 20 wickets and you look at Rabada and Gidi. I can't remember the left Janssen, arm's name. Janssen. Janssen. They're, they're building up an attack that that is going to be mighty good at bowling in English conditions. You look at the Ashes in 2019, 
Australia really should have won that series quite comfortably. Um, it was only a couple of a dodgy toss at the Oval and the Stokes heroics at Headingley that that saved England in that series. So, yeah, I, I wouldn't be so sure. Even if England are on their on their best form, I think it's going to be a cracking Test series. That's obviously a long way away, but yeah. It's so true what you say about bowlers coming over here and enjoying the conditions. I remember watching Zahir Khan come over here. Every He has to bowl on like an absolute dust bowl in India. And then every four years, he'd come to England and get nice overcast conditions and a Duke's ball. Zahir Khan and Mohamed Asif and Jaminda Vass used to just wait for that tour of England. And then just, oh, they'd have an absolute field day against us. Isabel, I actually need to ask you one final thing on the... Uh, South Africa India series because you are one of those brave people on Twitter. I don't know why you do it to yourself. Who who likes to occasionally poke the hornet's nest of Indian cricket fans and uh, and have a bit of fun with them. And another series goes by without a Virat Kohli hundred. He's past it, isn't he? He's a has been. There's nothing left. He's a hollow shell of a man. Oh, you know what? You know, the thing that really got me is that in his statement, I think, and I think he should resign for this uh, alone, is that I think he said he, he's always he's always going to give 120 percent. And I, ca- I cannot I cannot stand any sportsman saying more than 100 percent. It's 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 not right. And he should he should be gone for that alone. Well, oh, 120, 120, 120 is particularly now. 120 percent. I mean, if you're going to go over 100 then go into like, proper 10 multiples of 100, like 1,000, you know, the 1,000 so, yeah, I mean, you can get away with. Sack him. The captain, he's, he's He's chosen 120 specifically to be more than 110, but strangely fewer than 130, which is such an odd thing for a man who must believe in the 1%. Well, and also more runs than he's actually managed to score, I guess, the last couple of years, poor man. <laughs> oh, oh. <laughs> Well, there, there go, there go, there go. Half our listeners, all the ones. In that, India. Yeah. That's going to be the clip, isn't it? I yeah. can feel it. Yeah, there we go. That's it. Just like to say now that if we've offended any Indian fans mm. uh, and and fans of the true world order of the supremacy of Kohli, then we are very, very apologetic, and uh, the opinions of Isabel Westbury do not reflect the opinions of me and Toby. I can't mm. speak for Stephen because um, he's probably watching something on Netflix right now. <laughs> I've switched off, yeah. I've got <laughs> um, very I'll quickly. It's 10.52, I'm done. <laughs> I'll say goodbye in a couple of minutes, but don't ask me anything else, please. Okay, no worries. Uh, Isabel Westray, prediction for the test match, please. Oh, it has to be England win. It has to be an England win. Of course it is. Of course it is. England are going to win by four wickets. It's going to be beautiful. Uh, Finney, I know you said not to ask anything, but when's your next session with Sussex? And uh, and when are you going to... And when will you report back how your batting and your bowling's gone? Well, to be quite frank, after that first over uh, that I was 12 for three today, I, I batted like I could have batted at four for England in the test in Australia. It was quite wonderful, really. <laughs> I, punished, I punished anything on, that was straight. Anything slightly back of a length, I punched through the offside and then was resolute in defence in the in-between. So Resolute um, in defence? Yeah. You got out three times. Where'd you take your guard, Penny? <laughs> Where'd you take your guard? Were, were, you, uh, were you half a mile outside off? Uh, no, my, sure my your head was on toe six was on stump. middle. Oh, my right. back toe was on middle and my front foot was slightly open, probably around leg stump, yeah, with my toe pointing down the wicket so the ball doesn't hit me directly on the pad because I'm in big trouble if that happens. I mean, I'd um, say number. I'd say number three, Friedland. Forget number four. Yeah. I mean, fair yeah. enough. Joe, Joe Root is four. You'd say, I, look, I love you dearly. You're not going to get a four, but three. I mean, I average, um, I average fifty-six band at number three for England. So, 
Well, that's, not, that's actually quite a good stat, isn't it? We could do with filling up the order. Uh, finally, the final thing I want to mention on the on the note of Joe Roots is quite rightly named the ICC t- Men's Test Player of the Year after his frankly ridiculous year where he hit 1,708 runs and six centuries. And when that's put in the context of how badly everybody else around him was batting, uh, it was just a wonderful effort and very well deserved. Uh, and also we need to mention that uh, Tammy Beaumont as well was named Women's 2020 International Cricket of the Year as well. Um, ahead of her teammates, uh, Nat Siver, Gabby Lewis from Ireland as well. Uh, so well done. A bit of English representation at the ICC Awards was very, very nice to see. And Toby is so beautiful actually out here in Australia because that came out and a lot of people are going, oh, Joe Root's never scored a century in Australia. Huh? And then you point out, that their test team, their men's test team, has just been crowned number one test team in the world and they haven't played a single match outside of Australia in the last 12 months. So it's something beautiful about it. And there's poor England playing 17 test matches or something stupid, eh? The things we do for the rest of the cricketing society, eh, England? Uh, Isabel, thank you so much for joining us. Will you come back and see us again soon? (laughs) Only if Finney gets his sharks on. (laughs) (laughs) Okay, perfect. We can make that happen. Uh, Daniel, uh, always a pleasure, never a chore. Can I just say? Can yes. I just say? Can can I just thank the cricketing world because I'm about to have uh, all of set, all of February off, and uh, because of you know what a wonderful Ashes series this has been, and you know working with so many great broadcasters, including TMS, but most especially BT, who were the official uh, rights holders uh, for TV of the Ashes. I'm going to spend basically February going around various different uh, London restaurants uh, and having tasting menus for lunch because I've got nothing else to do. And uh, and what a great way to spend your life. So thanks, England. Thanks, the Ashes. But thanks, BT. And, and, and of course, the BBC. You go and spend that shark hoover money that's definitely coming in some nice restaurants in Soho, Dan. <laughs> Uh, Finney, I know that deep down behind that miserable demeanour, you love us all dearly. And uh, see you next week, mate, for episode 54. No, I love Izzy. You two, I actually really couldn't care less about. (laughs) (laughs) See you next week. Bye. Podcast Network. Hey guys, it is Ryan. I'm not sure if you know this about me, but I'm a bit of a fun fanatic when I can. I like to work, but I like fun too. It's a thing. And now the truth is out there. I can tell you about my favorite place to have fun. Chumba Casino. They have hundreds of social casino style games to choose from with new games released each week. You can play for free anytime, anywhere and each day brings a new chance to collect daily bonuses. So join me in the fun. Sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. VTW group. Void prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus.